at 9 o'clock in the morning. They nailed Jesus to a cross. They stopped and waited for the waited for him to die. From nine to twelve, he made three different utterances. All of them words of grace and mercy. Jesus said. <clears throat> Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said also to the thief on the cross, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He looks down at Mary. He looks down at John, who are at the foot of the cross. And he said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. He was entrusting his mother, Mary, to the care of John. He was leaving her in good hands. But then at 12 o'clock, high noon, midday, when the sun was in its zenith, when it was in the hottest part of the day, God turned the lights out. Everything changed. The earth went into darkness Complete darkness. From, from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, it was in complete darkness. Things changed. What Christ said changed. In the moment of 12 o'clock, it was the moment that God laid the sin of this world on His Son. And as He laid the sin of this world on His Son... He began to pour out his wrath on his only son in our place. If we read in Matthew chapter 27, we see the events that took place in those last three hours. Verse 45 of Matthew 27 says, now from the sixth hour, that's 12 o'clock, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sakbatani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that, they began to mock him and say, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let let be, let us see whether Elias will come and save him, still mocking him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Oh, there's several things in these few short verses that we can, we can glean from and we can learn about Jesus and about the cross and what the cross truly means. The first thing we see in these verses is the, the suffering, the judgment at the cross, the judgment at the cross. Two things we see. First, the darkness, the darkness. God shut the lights out. 
See, light represents salvation. We've come to the light. He is light and in him is no darkness at all. But in this moment, it was darkness. Darkness equates to judgment. Isaiah 13, 9 says, behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. You see, God equates darkness with judgment. Amos 5.18, woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To the end is it for you. The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Matthew 22.13, then said the king unto the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. That's how God described hell. Outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then one of the most significant things that happens on the cross is Jesus cries out. He's not addressing God as father. In the beginning, in the first three hours, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But now he cries, my God, my God. Not, not, not just a cry, not just a holler. The word means scream. Why have you forsaken me? In this moment, all of the sins of humanity from the beginning to the end, to the very first sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, to the very last sin of humanity was placed upon his son. And when, when that sin was put on his son, God began to judge it. God began to pour out his wrath. And part of the wrath of God is the separation. And for the first time in eternity, for the first time in eternity, God the Father and God the Son were not in fellowship. The presence was separated and he did not feel the presence of a holy God in the presence of his father. And he says, why hast thou forsaken me? A holy God has to turn us back on sin. Do you understand? Do you understand that, that the worst part of hell is going to be the absence of the presence of God? There's going to be complete separation, a complete absence of the presence of God, complete absence of peace, a complete absence of love, a complete absence of light, a complete absence of joy. He cries out in these three hours, I thirst, I thirst. Doesn't that sound familiar? Was it the rich man when he died, rich man in Lazarus? And he said, in, an eye, in hell, he opened up his eyes being in torment. And he said, could you send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my parching tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this in those three hours of darkness that Jesus was experiencing literal hell on earth. He was experiencing hell on the cross. God the Father was pouring his wrath, pouring his judgment upon his son who was paying our penalty, who was paying the price for sin. 
In these three hours, we see the judgment at the cross. Christ was made or reckoned to be as though he was a sinner. He was counted as guilty and as such was punished by God. In God's reckoning, the penalty Christ paid satisfies God's justice and the demands of the law. It means we don't have to pay the penalty we deserve. We see the judgment at the cross. Number two, we see the love on the cross. We see the love on the cross. You appreciate where you see that? Verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. He, he gave his life. He surrendered his life. No one took it from him. He freely, voluntarily, lovingly gave his life for mine. John 10, 17 says, therefore doth my father love me because I laid down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. Preacher, why would he lay his life down? John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this. And a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus went on to say, when they tried to, when Peter pulled out a sword in the garden, cut off the servant's ear, Jesus said, put your sword up. Don't you understand? Watch what he says. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray, Matthew 26, 53, thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled and thus it shall be? At any moment in this process, at any moment in this process from the garden all the way to Gethsemane, all the way to Golgotha, Jesus could have said no. Jesus could have called his father and he could have sent thousands and thousands and thousands of angels to come and rescue Jesus from the cross. Jesus could have said the word and it'd be over. But he said, greater love with no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Ladies and gentlemen, when you see that cross, you have to see his love for you. Because that place on the cross was your place. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see the love on the cross and his voluntary surrender of his life. But then we see the satisfaction from the cross. Verse 51. And behold, in that moment that Jesus yielded up his spirit, in that moment that Jesus died over in the temple, over in the temple, they're getting ready for the Passover. They're going about their religious duties and religious activities as everything was normal. But something took place. It says in verse 51, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent from in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. You say, preacher, what does that mean? If you're not familiar with Old Testament scriptures, 
There was a veil. There was a curtain in between the Holy of Holies and the holy place where they kept the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represented the seat of God. God's presence would come and dwell in the Holy of Holies. And no man could go in there lest he die. No sinner could go in the presence of a holy God except for the high priest. And that was only once a year. And with blood, with a sacrificial lamb, he could go in and present the blood for the the sins of the people. And, And God would say, satisfied. Satisfied for one more year. And after that year was over, that altar would cry out for the sacrifice of blood for the sins of the people. And no man could have access to God. No man could go in the presence of God. But when the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, was sacrificed on the cross the moment that he died, his sacrificial death paid the penalty for our sin. And God said, satisfied. Not satisfied for a year, but satisfied forever. And in that moment, the veil, the curtain, that which separated man from God, that which kept us out of the presence of God, that which kept a sinner, a a wicked sinner from a holy savior was ripped from the top to the bottom. And it wasn't so God could get out, but so that we could go in. And now we have access God says, I'm satisfied. The debt has been paid. It is fully the requirement of the law has been fulfilled. It says in Hebrews 10, 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which we have consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh, having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Preacher, what are you saying? The curtain has been taken down. Jesus was put in his place. What does that mean? If we're going to go to the father, we have to go through the son and we can come boldly. We can come boldly. You see, to understand that you you need to, you need to see that the high priest was nervous because if he wasn't right, if he didn't do everything exactly the way it was supposed to be, he would die in the presence of God. And he did everything meticulously, everything just right. So, and he was nervous going in there in the presence of God. But because of what Jesus did, even in our weakness, even in our failures, even in, in the issues that we have in life, we don't have to be afraid because he took the full penalty. He paid the full price on the cross. So I can go boldly to God with my burdens and my needs and my problems and my issues. I don't have to go to another the same. I don't have to go to a preacher. I don't have to go to a priest. I don't have to go. I can go straight to God because of Jesus. We see the satisfaction from the cross. Lastly, I want you to see the hope in the cross. The Bible said, (laughs) and the graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Preacher, what about that cross? That cross gives us hope. God allowed man to have a little preview of what's to come. 
because of that cross. One day, if we die on this earth, one day our bodies are going to get up again. Listen, because of that cross, if you've got a loved one that was in Christ, if you have a loved one that was saved and born again, because of that cross, you're going to get to see him again. Listen, because of that cross, they're not lost. Because of that cross, we have hope today. The hope of the resurrection. Job said this well. He said it right. I know my Redeemer lives. And though the worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He said, in other words, if I die, listen, th- listen, this, this body may, may dissolve back into the dust. But when Jesus shows up, I'm going to show up too. And I'm going to have a brand new body. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, we shall be like him. Amen. Listen, we have hope. First Corinthians 15, 54. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm trying to tell you. Because of that cross, we have hope. Because of that cross, we're going to live again. Because of that cross, you can be forgiven. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care where you're from. I don't care. I don't care what your background is. I, 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 I don't care what's happened in your life. I don't care how bad a sinner you was. And I don't care how long a sinner you was. If you will believe in that cross. If today you'll say, I'm tired of living my own life. In Romans chapter number 10. It's if we will confess the Lord Jesus. And believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Don't ignore the cross. Don't procrastinate today. Don't ignore the pleadings of the Holy Spirit. Don't discount the effort that all of these people have made to show you and illustrate to you what Jesus did for you. Will you believe us today? Will you believe the word today? Jesus went through hell on earth in them three hours. As God the father poured his wrath on his son. So that one day. In a church service just like this, you could find salvation. You could find peace. You could find hope. You can find joy. God has done his part. I have done my part. I've told you the truth. Now it's up to you. Will you do your part? Will you believe today? Will you confess to God that you're a sinner and tell him that you believe Jesus died for you? Will you trust him today? Will you let him save your soul? Today is the day.